Welcome to Paranormal Gumbo with your hosts, Angel and Aaron. <laughs> the reason that we called our show Paranormal Gumbo, for one thing, it's a cultural thing because here in the South, you know, gumbo is from this area. But for another thing, gumbo, you basically throw just about everything in it except for the kitchen sink. You know, the more ingredients, the better. And so that's kind of with our show. We want to cover a little bit of this and a little bit of that and just as much as we can so that's kind of where that came from we don't focus on just one thing we want a little mix of everything hey there star wars fans and fellow scuttle buddies this is rob LeBerry, host of the jedi temple archives podcast and you are about to get the scuttlebutt on the scare of scuttlebutt podcast congratulations you are being rescued please do not resist Hey, Star Wars family, hope all is well. Before we start, just wanted to chime in and say thank you to our listeners and followers of the channel for your continued support. We certainly have a lot of fun doing these, and we thank you for your patience, and we thank you for enjoying uh, listening to them as much as we enjoy putting them all together for you. A special thanks to 97 Bravo for blowing us away a while back for becoming a Grand Moff tier supporter on Patreon. Your help goes a long way to making our episodes and events that much better. So big thanks to 97 Bravo. Our last episode of October, we declared October George Lucas Appreciation Month, and this episode we're talking about the legacy of the Clone Wars. We did something a bit different this time around and invited not only uh, one uh, special guest, but two. We've got Rob from the Jedi Temple Archives podcast who joined us kind of last minute and had so much fun. He decided to join us in Chicago on November 17th for our live podcast event with WSTR, Galactic Public Access. You'll hear more details in the broadcast later on. We also have Trevor Beast 454 who not only joined us on this episode to talk Clone Wars, but helped formulate a special Clone Wars edition of our Q&A game, Sentry Mode. So stick around for that and win some prizes. And right after Alex's intro, you'll hear a special extended show open that I enjoyed putting together. Think of it as a scene that we didn't see in Rogue One from the perspective of our friend TK226. That should be a lot of fun to listen. Alex and I have more ideas to do more of that sort of thing, so please let us know what you think of it. And without further interruption, let's start the show. for over a thousand generations. Well, at least since 1977 for many, we've heard about the Clone Wars, wondered what they were like, and fantasized about Jedi warriors battling the evil of the galaxy in hopes of ridding all evil throughout. George Lucas gave us this mysterious tale of conflict within the galaxy's past where legends were made, Sith Lords reigned supreme, and wondered what these great wars were like. As you heard Yoda tell Luke on Dagobah, wars not make one great. But the Clone Wars had always been a period of unrest and darkness, conflict between good 
and evil. A war that sealed the fate of the galaxy. But how? And what were the consequences? Tonight's episode dives deep into these questions. We'll explore how Lucas set up these storylines in the prequels and how the creatives at Lucasfilm, namely Dave Filoni, helped continue that story through the Clone Wars TV show. How did the galaxy fall? What role did this conflict have in the creation of the Empire? Now that we've seen that Palpatine has returned to try again to rule, will he succeed? Let's dive right into the legacy of the Clone Wars. The Shroud of the Dark Side has fallen. Begun. The Clone War has. Shield Control, transmitting code clearance on ISB Channel 4. This is Scarif Substation. Proceed to landing platform for further instructions from Scarif Control. Scarif Control, this is TK-226. Come in, Scarif Control. This is Scarif Station. Stand by. Yeah, we see heavy fire down below. Is the garrison deployed? We've had insurgents breach the shield. What's your status, TK-226? Control, just cleared the gate. Stand by to receive new orders. Scare of control. We'll coordinate an attack north of the Visage Ridge and send in the walkers. TK-226, this is Commander Milan. Proceed to the North Ridge and engage the rebels there. We've got them on the run, but we need your support. Repeat, we need your support! All right, Scuttle Buddies. Wow, that was a that was a pretty good little uh, production that we did. Uh, we uh, we did a little a brand new intro uh, for all of you Scuttle Buddies out there. We kind of dramatized that our little TK two two six dramatization. Uh, I hope you liked it. And then, as uh, always, you got uh, Alex's silky voiceover work that uh, kind of uh, end capped that uh, little piece but uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it Alex that's a uh, very impressive work thank you I appreciate the opportunity to uh, have my foot in the door with all you're you're my you're my helping my my guiding light my helping hand Rose. oh no no that I, I you're I, you know you're definitely being taken advantage of uh, brother <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are those are really really great uh, great little pieces that you uh, add to the podcast but uh, yeah we've got a special podcast we're talking about the Clone Wars continuing our October series the legacy of uh, the Clone Wars, but uh, October for us, as uh, we mentioned at the beginning of the month, we are celebrating it and uh, using our podcast an opportunity to uh, give tribute to a man that has given us so much, uh, the uh, George Lucas Appreciation Month. Uh, what do you think about that, Alex? You got to give the creator all the credit you possibly can uh, when it comes to this wonderful universe that we are all obsessed about. Yes, definitely. So uh, we've got a couple of special guests on our podcast tonight. We are 
very lucky to have them, and uh, we teased uh, one of the guests a, a little while ago. We've got uh, Trevor Beast four five four. Is that correct? Did I get the numbers right? I'm uh, sometimes a, I'm a little dyslexic. Uh, yep, you got the numbers right, Ro. And uh, yes, uh, this is me, Trevor, uh, curator of the Star Wars subcategory on Sporkle.com, and I'm. So happy to be here to contribute to this episode, more so than just the Sentry Mode. Excellent. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I I reached out to you. Actually, you reached out to me first. Uh, You wanted to participate, and uh, it was kind of a long time coming. I know we had a couple of things that were already in the hopper, and uh, as everybody knows, uh, you know, a a lot of times these uh, episodes for us take a little bit, but uh, we're, we're finally here, Trevor, and uh, thank you very much for your patience, and thank you very much for your interest in uh, being in the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast episode. And uh, on the other side of the fence, we also have another special guest. Uh, again, we've been trying to get a lot of our pod, Pottern, as what is Brad would say, Pottern family uh, members here on the Scare of Scuttlebutt. Uh, we've got Rob from the Jedi Temple Archives. Rob, how's it going, man? It's going great. I'm happy to be the first uh, Jedi infiltrator of Scarif Station. That's right. That's right. You are the first Jedi infiltrator. Uh, Alex, don't uh, don't tell uh, Krennic about this. He, he might get a little upset. Oh, your secret is safe with me as long as you uh, keep yourself in check there, Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Rob, let me uh, tell, tell us a little bit. Uh, how can people find your podcast? I know, uh, we've, uh, like I said, we've been talking about going back and forth and trying to figure out how to get you on. We, we finally got you on one of the podcasts that we listen to on a regular basis. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So uh, basically the Jedi Temple Archives podcast, I started primarily because, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people out there that are fans of the Star Wars films, but really haven't, uh, you know, dove into a lot of the deeper topics or any of the animated series, the books, the comics. Uh, and it's really hard to keep up with all that stuff anyway. So what we try to do is we try to uh, hit a topic every episode, uh, kind of approach it from the standpoint of someone who's a casual Star Wars fan. Hopefully we appeal to the more serious fans as well. Uh, but the easiest way to get a hold of us or to find us is just through our website, jtapodcast.com. And uh, you can always reach us via email at jtapodcast at gmail.com. And we're also active on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at JTA Podcast. That is awesome. That's uh, <clears throat> I love the name and I love the fact that, uh, you know, it's... It's uh, it takes a little uh, deep dive into the fandom, uh, a little kind of behind the scenes of uh, uh, of the Jedi lore, and uh, that's perfect. We're here to talk about that uh, this episode, this this time around, the Clone Wars and uh, their impact on the galaxy. And uh, Trevor, you and I were uh, emailing back and forth. It seems like uh, you are. Uh, a kind of a resident expert as far as the Clone Wars. Tell uh, our listeners again what website you are the curator on the quizzes again. Uh, yes, that would be uh, sporkle.com, S-P-O-R-C-L-E.com. It's a trivia quiz website. Been around since 2007, at least the site has. I've been around since 2010. Been curator since May of 2016, but point is... Uh, I'm in charge of all the Star Wars quizzes on there. There's about 2,000 of them. You know, I'm just in charge of you know different moderating and then giving endorsements out, so that way that they could be featured on the front page every now and then. That is awesome. And speaking of featured, uh, we're gonna you know we're we're gonna test our knowledge of Star Wars. 
you sent me a uh, a sentry mode, a, a list of uh, uh, questions that we uh, I, I put together last night, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll test our knowledge, and we'll also test the knowledge of our listeners and uh, see. You know how they do. It's uh, five questions. Sentry mode will uh, be able to listen to it a little later on. But uh, guys, uh, first of all, let me. Uh, this is a couple of nights after the release of the final trailer for the Rise of Skywalker. There's a lot there to absorb. But um, you know, talking about the Clone Wars, we've got uh, someone that was very instrumental. In uh, in those Clone Wars, we've got Palpatine is back. Uh, Rob, what uh, what do you think of the of the trailer, and what do you think of Palpatine returning? Yeah, I love the trailer. Uh, my understanding is that Lucas had always planned on bringing Palpatine back uh, in the saga, so it's appropriate that he's you know uh, coming back into the picture in this particular film, and uh, you definitely see it within the Clone Wars. Uh, and within the prequels, especially kind of how he manipulated events in the in the galaxy to his advantage. Um, and so, you know, to have him once again kind of uh, behind the curtain, pulling all the strings uh, is really going to raise the stakes, I think, for, for the characters in uh, Rise of Skywalker. That is true. It's uh, I, I didn't think they would bring him back. I know. You know, he he's definitely one of those characters that will uh, string uh, or thread the uh, all nine films together, and obviously he has been present in all of them. But uh, you know, Alex and I uh, usually talk. You know, we talk about that stuff. And um, Alex, uh, I know we did a, a quick little episode. We did a live uh, broadcast a couple of nights ago regarding the uh, trailer. But uh, what's uh, what, Alex? What's your overall impression about uh, Palpatine coming back? Uh, I can't complain about having Papa Palp back uh, on stage. As far as this uh, this great play saga, uh, family drama that we have going on, he was in, uh, there from the beginning, uh, and I think we can probably say that he may have had something to do with Anakin's birth. So, uh, at least that's what they allude to in the comic books. Um, so I'm. I'm glad that he's back. Uh, my personal opinion is I wish they would have uh, played that up a little bit in 7 and, and 8, kind of giving some kind of a hint that he might be behind the curtain. Uh, but l- better late than never. Uh, let's see uh, what he has in store. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing these new, these new characters take on this, this legacy um, menace. Yeah, it's, uh, speaking of uh, Palpatine being there from the beginning, uh, Trevor... Uh, what, uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, bringing Palpatine back? You know, he's obviously been present, uh, from the very beginning. You know, we, uh, learned about the tale of, uh, Darth Plagueis, uh, as he masterfully told Anakin during that opera scene in, uh, one of the prequel movies. It's a very chilling scene. You know, uh, the actor Ian McDiarmid, uh, I, I think any scene that he is in, he is such a powerhouse actor. Uh, but that uh, that explanation, the uh, the tragedy of Darth Plagueis, was a chilling, chilling encounter. Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he could use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create life. Uh, you know, it really showed his true colors, and uh, I, I love the fact... First of all, I love the fact that they brought him back for the prequels 
after you know using him in uh, in the original trilogy. It uh, it's a fantastic tie-in to uh, to kind of keep that galaxy kind of cohesive. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on Palpatine's role in 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 all of this? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely curious to see how he's going to be tied into Episode Nine. I mean, uh, I don't want to go too much in the speculation thing, but I mean, to me, it seemed like that there was no signs of Palpatine coming back in the force awakens or the last Jedi. And it seems like he's come back now. I mean, maybe like take Snoke's role or something, but I mean, I'm like very intrigued on how it's going to go, what his like real motive is. I mean, other than I guess rule the galaxy as he once did. And not, not only that, but I'm curious to see, you know, if he's going to, you know, wield a lightsaber again like he did in Revenge of the Sith or, you know, he's just sticking to the uh, Force lightning that that was, you know, in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it's uh, he's here to rule the galaxy and uh, he's a very patient character. He's a very powerful character. And uh, I dare to say, and I, I don't know what you guys think, I think he's one of the more powerful characters in all of uh, the Star Wars uh, lore. What uh, what do you guys say to that? Trevor, let's start with you. Okay, well, I mean, I definitely agree with you. In terms of, like, lightsaber duels itself, he, he's got eight wins and zero losses because, you know, his... You know, his demise was at the hands of, you know, Darth Vader and not, no lightsaber dueling is, is involved with that. So, yeah, I would definitely say he's one of the most powerful ones in terms of, you know, when he's got a lightsaber and he's in action. Yeah, it's uh, and obviously for those of us who followed uh, his story through the, uh, you know, the, the, the creation of the Clone Wars cartoon and, and Rebels, uh, he does seem like he's got, uh, for lack of a better term, he's got his shit together. Alex, uh, what? Uh, yeah, I, I forgot. Were you? Uh, do you know the 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 story? I know you've seen a couple of episodes, uh, Clone Wars. What is your understanding of Sheev Palpatine? Uh, I do believe that he can be called uh, one of, if not the most powerful Force user. Uh, in the galaxy during his his time being alive, um, so I, I, I mean he's a powerhouse like you guys are talking about, and I think one of my favorite episodes of the Clone Wars, since we're talking about that series, uh, was that episode where he fought um, both Darth Maul and his brother. Um, uh, Sav- what was his Savage. name? Savage. Savage. Savage Savage Press. And uh, the, that, the episode's that, titled "The Lawless." Just, the Lawless. That, yeah. that episode is fantastic, and I loved how. He was taking on these two massive, like we we watched uh, Maul and his brother um, take on Jedi after Jedi throughout the season, uh, and then when they come up against Palpatine, they just get demolished. Like he's taking them on and he's enjoying it. He's laughing. Like this guy was unmatched in his lightsaber skills and his force powers. impressed to see you have survived your injuries. I used your training, Master, and I have built all this in hopes of returning to your side. Hmm. How unfortunate that you are attempting to deceive me. Master? You have become a rival! 
I think the only time that he may have had his uh, his work cut out for him was going up against uh, Mace Windu in Revenge of the Sith. However, I believe there could be an argument that uh, that says that he did that on purpose so that Anakin would be able to get there in time. Uh, he foresaw Anakin's turn being at that moment. <laughs> Under arrest, my lord. Anakin, I told you it would come to this. I was right. The Jedi are taking over. The oppression of the Sith will never return. You have lost. No. 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 You are gone. I, I I tend to agree with you. It, it's almost like he, uh, you know, he kind of faked it. And at the last second, he just pulled out that uh, that force lightning, and uh, you can tell in in his performance, uh, the actor's performance, that uh, you know it's a little you know a little trickery there behind the scenes. Uh, but uh, yeah, getting back to uh, you know the events of the Clone Wars, the um, the creation of the clone army, and everything that uh, Palpatine has uh, has done behind the scenes to kind of control things. Rob, uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, talking about Jedi uh, Temple Archives? I mean, you know, what happened to the Jedi that they didn't see this coming? Well, I think, you know, the thing about Chief Palpatine and and later Darsidious was the fact that he really was the master of the long game, I would say, and certainly a master manipulator as well. And I feel like uh, the place that he really got the advantage on the Jedi was the fact that by creating the scenario of the Clone Wars themselves, and then getting the Jedi actively involved in that, they were not passive. They were not at peace. And so uh, their connection with the Force was not as strong as it could have been otherwise. They were you know, actively participating in warfare. They were leading the troops. Uh, and that really kind of helped uh, mute their connection to the Force to some degree and uh, allowed him to you know, play out his long game of having the the clones set up with order 66 to catch the Jedi unaware. Yeah, that, uh, that is a definite, uh, advantage on, on his part. Uh, so, you know, George Lucas has this tendency and, and uh, to, to do a certain narrative thing where it, it's almost like he drops you, the audience, he drops you in the middle of a story. He did that obviously in the original trilogy where he's telling the story of the middle, you know, the middle part of the story of this vast story, uh, you can see that a little bit in uh, his earlier films, like in THX 1138. Um, there's uh, obviously a little element of that in uh, the uh, Clone Wars where, you know, w- w- who created the, you know, Palpatine sent, uh, w- who is it? Trevor, help me out here. He sent that um, the other Jedi to, um, to Kamino. Um, Sifo-Dyas. there you go. So, you know, we're we're plopped right in the middle of the story. We don't know um, what is going on. And I know a lot of people in the, you know, as far as the prequel trilogies, that second one is, is uh, 
you know, it gets dogged on a lot, but uh, that second one almost to me plays out as a mystery, like a like a Columbo episode, because Obi Wan uh, goes out and and tries to figure out, you know, what happened to Sifo-Dyas, and he finds out about, um, you know, this other you know mysterious character that went with uh, with him to try to build this uh, this army. Trevor, talk a little bit about that that process uh, of. Uh, you know, we we don't know we don't know exactly what happened during the prequels, but we definitely find out during the Clone Wars uh, series. It's a very fascinating thread. It's a very fascinating story. Trevor, uh, give us a little rundown on uh, on that storyline. Oh yeah, of course. So, um, you know, you you have that set up with you know Attack of the Clones, Obi Wan going in, you know, investigating, you know, Kamino as you know told by. Dexter Jetster that you know he got that clue from but then like it's really not touched on you know again until the Clone Wars uh season six the lost one and that's where you know um Plo Koon finds uh Sifo-Dyas's lightsaber uh and on this you know on this moon you know in the middle of nowhere just like unravels more clues and then obi-wan and anakin they go to investigate they go to the pikes because you know yeah yeah i mean i I haven't seen the episode in a little bit but basically they go to the pikes and investigate then they find this um servant who you know belonged to sifo-dyas and as well as uh chancellor valorum who was uh palpatine's predecessor We are Jedi, sent to find you. Jedi? To find me? Why me? I was betrayed. Forgotten. Long ago. No one knew you were alive. Quick. There's different clues that's unraveled, but, you know, it turns out, you know, Tyrannus is the one who was in charge of orchestrating that stuff. And then, you know, the Pikes all know who Tyrannus is. Anakin and Obi-Wan don't until Dooku shows up and kills the servant, you know, via force choke. And then lightsaber duel ensues. And that's kind of where it goes. I mean, it's it's a really good episode, The Lost One. So I would highly recommend seeing that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, It's, uh, there's a lot of choking and death and killing. It's uh, really great for kids. Do 
Because you actually came to do your own dirty work. So, Rob, uh, let's talk about the Jedi. Um, they, you know, the 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 title, the Phantom Menace. It uh, it really tells you a lot. Uh, obviously, uh, hindsight is 20, uh, 2020. Uh, you've got the Jedi Council that uh, is, uh, I guess, looking in one direction while Palpatine is doing something else in another direction. And, uh, you know, you had mentioned that Palpatine was in it for the long haul. Uh, talk about long haul. I mean, nine movies and he's back. I mean, uh, what an amazing character, eh? Right. Yeah, he's definitely got staying power. And I think what we can take away from this is that uh, anyone thrown down a shaft in Star Wars is probably not dead. Um, I'm just waiting for Mace Windu to come back. I mean, he got tossed out a window, but most most uh, Jedi or Force users that get tossed down a well or out a window uh, seem to seem to crop back up at some point. Yeah. So that uh, Alex, that might mean that Han Solo might be coming back in Episode Nine. No, <laughs> that's not how the Force works, Ro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time to pay the bills. Hey, I'm excited. We got a new sponsor on the podcast. Alex, why don't you tell the folks what we got? What's up, Star Wars fans? Today's episode of the Scarif Podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Organically Wonderful. Organically Wonderful is a small business that is dedicated to bringing you 100% pure, organic, non-toxic beauty products like dry shampoo and body oil. And if you go to their website and check out the list of things that you can buy, and then when you buy them, you can type in ScuttleBuddies15 and get 15% off your entire purchase. That's ScuttleBuddies15 for 15% off. Head on down to OrganicallyWonderful.com and say thank you to Organically Wonderful for bringing you the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. And may the force be with you. Hey, Scuttle Buddies, this is Todd Hoffman from WSTR Galactic Public Access. So Ro asked me about uh, to talk a little bit about the Clone Wars. And uh, what I find interesting about the Clone Wars is that there is so much um, history with that in the sense that, you know, Obi-Wan mentions the Clone Wars in A New Hope, and then we don't get to see more of the Clone Wars until... Uh, Attack of the Clones in 2002, but then really it's expanded upon in the Clone Wars animated series in 2008. So almost, you know, 30 some years later, we're finally kind of seeing what the clone are doing and what the Clone Wars are all about. And really it's George's take on Vietnam. Uh, obviously, Emperor Palpatine is manufacturing both sides of the war into going against each other and uh, it's all for his gain. And, but what is interesting about the Clone Wars is that you get to see the side of the clones that we didn't get to see, obviously, in the movie Attack of the Clones. So um, I really just loved how they took um, some time to really develop the characters and that even though these people are manufactured for war, they're actually just that people and they're not clones and uh, I loved how how everyone kind of viewed them and how they viewed themselves and I think that's some of the discovery you get through the Clone Wars and uh, I think it's fascinating so not only developing each other uh, as teammates and all that kind of stuff but then also um, 
you know, you get to see some of the, like, a defective one, like 99, that's trying to help out the troops and get them as a team, and that's early on in the Clone Wars. And then you see how the Jedi are treat, treat them. And so, obviously, with Anakin and Obi-Wan, you see more individuality and how Captain Rex is kind of the leader of the 501st, and you get to see that kind of thing. But then you also, um, with General Krull and how they make sh- mistreat he mistreats the clones and i think that's also kind of very fascinating and how um you know how everybody's portrayed and then you also have an episode an arc where you know a clone deserts and starts a family and um, i think those are all very interesting parts of war we get to really kind of expand upon that in the clone wars and it gives it a little bit more breath and then obviously um one of my favorite arcs obviously is the lost episodes where um fives is getting very very close and determining what is happening with the clones and i just really love that arc and just how it's more of an kind of investigation and understanding how are they manufactured what's this inhibitor chip and who planted there and all that kind of stuff is just super fascinating to me so it's a bigger arc arching uh thing with destiny and h- how you're you're made doesn't make you uh you know or this is your path and you can definitely have some choice and i think that's very fascinating not only in star wars but also in the clone wars thanks guys keep it up deploy the garrison no now we do that guide the creation of the clones from the beginning dooku did hmm. our enemy created an army for us If this was known, public confidence in the war effort, the Jedi, and the Republic would vanish. There would be mass chaos. Cover up this discovery. We must. No one, not even the Chancellor, may know. Valiant men the clones have proven to be. Save my life and yours. They have many times. Believe in them. We must. Win the war swiftly. We must before our enemy's designs reach completion, whatever they may be. I do just want to weigh in real quick on uh, what we were talking about there uh, a second ago regarding um, Sipodius and the creation of the clone army, because if you go into uh, Kevin Scott's uh, Dooku Jedi Lost, you get a little bit more backstory on Sipodius and the fact that he was prone to having these force visions. And uh, I think there's a big question there about if any of that was manipulated by Sipodius or uh, by uh, Darsidious uh, in regards to him having visions of the Clone Wars that were what caused him to go and commission that um, Grand Army of the Republic. Was that, uh, yeah, I, I did read that, uh, was that, uh, it was almost a, uh, what do you call it, uh, a self-fulfilling prophecy? Right, right. Yeah, that's fascinating yeah. because, uh, you know, the obviously now we're getting all this ancillary material, all this additional material that uh, kind of supplements uh, the story that, we, uh, that we've known for 40 years, but it's adding, you know, uh, some different twists to it. It's adding a lot of color to these uh to these uh plot points uh and i think it's fantastic you know alex and i have talked a little bit about it uh brad as well you know palpatine definitely did a lot of manipulating behind the scenes there is uh the charles soul uh comic where you see and i think alex you talked about this with amanda in uh, one of our previous episodes the uh palpatine ray connection episode 
Um, so there's that uh, panel that uh, Sheev, uh, you can see uh, Palpatine kind of manipulating and, and doing a little, uh, you know, uh, funny business uh, over the, uh, the stomach of uh, Anakin's mother. But I, I still find it fascinating because that's the way they drew it. Um, and, and I would take it, you know, at face value. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that was, you know, definitely something that raised a lot of eyebrows when it came out. And I'm pretty sure that was in issue 25 of that Darth Vader uh, series that they had put out. But, um, you know, it would certainly explain, it, it definitely retcons, I guess, the fact that uh, Palpatine's sitting there looking at Anakin at the end of Phantom Menace and telling him he was going to watch his career with great interest. And he certainly takes on that uh, father figure role with Anakin throughout the films. And even in the Clone Wars, you see a lot of that. And to your earlier point about um, you know all the additional material that they have created and, and how in a lot of cases it does enhance the story, I think the Clone Wars, probably more than just about anything out there, uh, has really filled in that gap between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith in the sense that when you then go back and watch Revenge of the Sith after seeing all the Clone Wars, you you just understand the characters on, on so much deeper a level, uh, and it's not that abrupt uh, change you see in Anakin from you, you see the beginnings of him possibly showing some of his dark tendencies, but, uh, it really changes quickly within revenge of the Sith. And, and that fills in that storyline of what, you know, led to his fall and really the heights that he had risen to during the clone wars and what a hero he was prior to that fall. Yeah, that's a fantastic point, Rob. Um, as somebody who uh, I am guilty of kind of dogging on the prequels a bit uh, in my in my earlier days of being a Star Wars fan, um, but I have to say, uh, once I did dive into the Clone Wars and I watched the series, uh, I, I totally agree with you. It, it gives you such a, a much bigger appreciation uh, for the characters that are in the prequels, like Obi Wan Kenobi and Anakin's relationship. Uh, you know, it's always alluded to that they were friends in the films. But we never really got to see much of that camaraderie. Uh, in episode two, they they kind of butted heads quite a bit. Uh, there was a little bit of a maybe older brother, younger brother type uh, going back and forth there. And then in the Revenge of the Sith, uh, they kind of went off and did their own thing for a while. Uh, so having the Clone Wars kind of come in and fill that gap and fill that friendship in uh, episode by episode, watching them grow together and go into battle together and learning just how close they were, it really does uh, help me as somebody who is not a huge prequel fan appreciate those movies so much more now. And I, 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 I give credit to Dave Filoni and George Lucas as well for, for coming up with these storylines that kind of, uh, to flush out these characters. Dave Filoni ha is a master storyteller and obviously under the tutelage, uh, you know, he is George Lucas's Padawan for lack of a better term. Um, Trevor, what, uh, what has, uh, the Clone Wars, showed you as far as the epicness of you know we we hear about the clone wars in the original trilogy uh as a young person i never thought that i would you know be able to see the uh the clone wars kind of fleshed out from a story perspective what uh, what are your thoughts uh on uh dave filoni's handling of 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 this epic epic uh you know aspect of our uh of this franchise uh yes uh so i think Dave Filoni's done like a phenomenal job of, you know, tying in, you know, episode two to episode three, make you understand the characters more. But just, you know, the new characters that are brought in are just really entertaining. And, you know, you, you can relate to them, especially Ahsoka Tano. I mean, I can't praise 
her character development enough, but you also have Hondo Anaka, Cad Bane, just um, Asaz Ventress as well, just a, a plethora of different characters who are going through different struggles throughout the Clone Wars, and you know wh- where they where they end up is definitely not the place where they start in uh, almost all of them. You know, like Barisafi, for instance, like you know sh- she just started off, you know, being Luminar Unduli's you know, Padawan, just going through different things. Then, you know, a gene ocean worm infects her and she wants to kill Ahsoka briefly. And then we see, you know, towards season five finale that, you know, other things have infected her as well. You know, the dark side, but um, just the epicness of the Clone Wars, like can't be understated. Like one, you know, video that you can see on YouTube. um, This is six years ago. It's the Clone Wars celebrates a hundred episodes. That's the name of the title. It's five minutes long, but it just shows like the whole development of the Clone Wars in like a five minute span. It's like a trailer for the whole show. And I, I get chills every single time I watch that, watch that video. So, yeah, it's a it's a definite triumph in storytelling. You know, the new characters, like you mentioned, Ahsoka Tano, uh, Asajj Ventress. It's, uh, you know, who knew that uh, that Darth Maul had a brother? Um, you know, we didn't find out until this series, uh, and, uh, and obviously we, we found out a, a whole lot of other things from this, uh, television show. Um, but, uh, it, it's an amazing thing. You know, George Lucas has, uh, has definitely created a, a story for the ages. Um, and, uh, you know, talking about story, you know, we're all obviously we're all fascinated by the uh, the futuristic sci-fi you know fantastic uh, aspect of uh, of this franchise, but uh, you know Trevor, you you mentioned uh, the story and the characters and uh, their story arc. Rob, can you uh, is there a certain character that you kind of uh, can pinpoint? Uh, you know, really latching on to as far as the uh, the the storyline of the Clone Wars, is there one particular character that uh, just you know blows you away? I would definitely have to say Ahsoka Tano, um, with probably a, a secondary nod to Asajj Ventress, just because she has the story arc that probably is the biggest shift in her character from the beginning to the end. But um, you know, Ahsoka, we've done a couple episodes of about Ahsoka on the Jedi Temple Archives podcast, and. First, she is a, a very complex character. Uh, she has so many similarities in the way that she behaves as a, as a Padawan. A youngling? And who are you supposed to be? I'm Ahsoka. Master Yoda sent me. I was told to tell both of you that you must get back to the Jedi Temple immediately. There's an emergency. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're in a bit of an emergency right here. Yes, our communications have been a bit unreliable, but we've been calling for help. Master Yoda hadn't heard... Uh, A lot of similarities to Anakin, just in terms of being kind of headstrong and reckless and uh, prone to disobeying orders. But at the same time, she ends up in a completely different place than he does. And the other thing that we talk about with Ahsoka a lot is the fact that she was really one of the three pillars uh, that Anakin, you know, as a as a Jedi, as a good person, uh, was built on. It was it was Shmi Skywalker. Uh, it was uh, it was Padme Amidala, and it was Ahsoka Tano. So, and and you can see each of them get 
removed. Uh, and, and once Ahsoka leaves uh, within the Clone Wars, that is really the beginning of the end for Anakin. I'm sorry, Master, but I'm not coming back. The Council didn't trust me, so how can I trust myself? What about me? I believed in you. I stood by you. I know you believe in me, Anakin, and I'm grateful for that. But this isn't about you. I can't stay here any longer. Not now. The Jedi Order is your life. You can't just throw it away like this. Ahsoka, you are making a mistake. Maybe, but I have to sort this out on my own. Without the council, and without you. So once again, you've got Palpatine, you know, manipulating events and creating a situation where he's put Anakin on an island, and uh, it, we all know what happens then. Yeah, that was such a powerful episode. I remember uh, that was probably one of the first episodes that really kind of struck me at how important this show was to the overall story of Anakin when I see uh, that whole storyline about how uh, Soka is being blamed for these terrorist attacks on the Jedi Temple and you know it's not true and you, you kind of see Anakin become very protective of her and uh, he even starts to kind of turn a little dark a little you know leans on the dark side a bit when he's interacting with the uh, clone troopers when she's in jail he's like he's ready to take them down to try and save his Padawan and try and and back her up, uh, but he's stuck in between this uh, this political uh, sphere of between the Jedi and the and the Senate, and and all the rules that he has to follow in order to to stay in line. And you can see it irritates him. But I I love the relationship that how protective he was of her and how much she means to him. And then to be devastated when she she finally just says I have to walk away from this. And you can tell that it just crushes him on the inside, and it really sets up his arc uh, in Revenge of the Sith for his turn to the dark side, where uh, I love the moment uh, in that episode when she says, I have to walk away. I can't remember the line exactly what she says, but he says, I know how you feel. Like, you can tell that he's been thinking the same thing for a very long time. I understand. More than you realize, I understand wanting to walk away from the Order. And it's so telling for his character. And it it's such a great moment. It puts a smile on my face just thinking about it. It's such a great moment for for Anakin and for Ahsoka. I know it 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 crushed uh it it crushed uh Anakin, it crushed us as an audience too. And I think that was the first time from a behind the scenes aspect that uh when they showed the um you know, the executive producer by George Lucas, they they had no music uh on it uh, like they usually do. And it uh it just left left us with such a uh, oh, you know, an impactful feeling. Uh, do you guys remember that? Yeah, um, absolutely. It was definitely impactful. And it's also it's also the wonderful thing about Ahsoka, right? Because you've got Anakin who could not 
who could not see past his attachment to everyone around him that he cared about. You had the Jedi that had their own attachment issues uh, for all their talk of, of not being that way. Uh, they were certainly attached to the Republic and uh, to the traditions of their order and, and were letting that influence uh, what happened to them. And Ahsoka was the only one who was strong enough to, to say, I have to walk away. It's the right thing for me. And I would say that especially because we get to see her art continue on, uh, she's probably the purest embodiment of a light side force user that we've got within the Star Wars universe right now. Well said. Yeah, well said, Rob. So, uh, you know, all these things interplay with what happened with, uh, you know, the Jedi and what uh, transpired after the Clone Wars were supposedly, you know, concluded but uh, you know, getting back to Palpatine, I mean, uh, the uh, the the consequences of his uh, his manipulation uh, within the Republic, within the Senate, and then later, obviously, with what happened with uh, you know being able to blindside the Jedi. Palpatine uh, was a masterful manipulator. Uh, you know, let's talk about consequences in the galaxy. What uh, what happened? I mean, what caused it all? What what can we learn about this? Well, we can learn that uh, sometimes you, you don't want to give uh, one person too much power, especially, you know, you know, emergency powers of this clone army without, you know, a- any other, you know, secondary, you know, authority figure at all. So it was basically all of, you know, Palpatine's control, you know, as Jar Jar gave it to him in Attack of the Clones. But then, you know, he continued, you know, to use this power. And of course, you know, he was also in charge of the Separatist army as well. He was orchestrating the entire thing. He was, you know, giving orders to Count Dooku on where to attack, what to do. Or, I mean, maybe not every single thing, but he knew what was going on the entire time. And then, you know, as we um, saw in season six, um, with the banking clan as well, and you had uh, Rush Clovis appear again, and then that th- that all ended in giving Chancellor Palpatine even more control, you know, over the different banks, and so then he has even more funds, you know, whenever he starts the empire. Well, you know, as seen in Revenge of the Sith. Not only that, but you know, also construction of uh, the Death Star. Even though it wasn't alluded to that much in the Clone Wars, in fact, it was more so in Attack of the Clones whenever. You know, the hologram was uh, given uh, to Count Dooku. So Pago Lesser gave him that, you know, hologram of the Death Star. And then we didn't really see any much more of it until the Utapaw story reel of the Clone Wars, which is, I guess, a deep cut where we see Obi-Wan and Anakin on Utapaw just, you know, trying to investigate the death of another Jedi. And then they come across this giant kyber crystal. And, uh, you know, that's later alluded to is that you know is going to help power the death star along with other kyber kyber crystals yeah that's one of the things that fascinated me about that series is uh you know throughout the series they kind of spread out uh, some storylines that went along with uh you know the creation of the death star and the the gathering of the kyber crystals you had the uh, episode that uh, where uh, Sagarera came back, not the early Sagarera ones, but the later on ones where, you know, he's, um, I guess they're on a mission and uh, they have to work together with Saw and Saw finds, um, I, I think he finds some sort of uh, canisters. Yeah, yeah, that, that was in uh, Star Wars Rebels, Ghost of Geonosis. Yes. Um, 
episode. So now, did, Trevor, let me ask you this question: mm-hmm. um, Did did Palpatine uh, wipe out the Geniuses just to to kind of um, you know destroy any evidence of the beginning, the building of the Death Star? I I think. Uh, uh, again, I mean, I, I think that's that's just masterfully played, you know, from, uh, I guess, from a, a, a tyrant's uh, point of view. I mean, if you want to hide evidence of a super weapon, uh, you know, evidence of uh, of your, you know, army's building a super weapon, what do you do? You destroy the army building the super weapon, then nobody knows about it. That That's like just deep manipulation and deep evil. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And the, I think that was discussed uh, in the... Rogue One Catalyst uh, book yeah. as well. E- okay, yeah, yeah, that was discussed about Geonosians building uh, the Death Star, at least the early stages and stuff. And then, you know, in the Rebels episode, whenever they go to Geonosis, they see, you know, evidence that there was some construction, but, you know, the, you know, working product is nowhere to be seen instead you know different outpost and then they see there's no life signs on geonosis but then go to take a closer look and it's just click clack and the geonosian egg that later becomes a queen that we see in uh another different uh vader comic as well in which you know the queen's already full grown and then vader's interrogating queen about some other issues This is Lauren Romo of the Galacta Podcast. Uh, so, with Scarif Podcast doing a George Lucas Appreciation Month, I wanted to stop by and talk to you guys about Lucas and his influence on the Clone Wars animated show, and I think what that has done for Star Wars animation as we know it so far. So, as we know, George was a very big part of the Clone Wars. Uh, from the beginning, uh, he collaborated with Dave Filoni, his Padawan, if uh, you want to call it that. And they did some great storytelling within the Clone Wars. Um, a lot of it had to be from George himself. He created the storylines, um, collaborated, like I said, with Dave Filoni and the entire um, team over there at Lucasfilm at the time. And they created some of probably the best storytelling in all Star Wars, uh, in my opinion. Um, It gave that much needed depth, I think, that was maybe missing in the prequels, in my opinion. And I think George took that opportunity and created this wonderful storyline that connected the prequels and even into the original trilogy you know, there's so many moments in there, specifically the Mortis arc, that I think is just all George and, you know, Dave Filoni together. Um, and then obviously with George selling, um, Dave Filoni picked it up, ran with what he knew from George and his his style of storytelling and created these wonderful shows of Rebels and now Star Wars Resistance. So, I mean, without George... I don't think we get these types of stories and animation 
to be honest. And I think what is really, I think, important is seeing that it's not just the movies, but, you know, animation has really stepped up its game. And I think it's all because of George and what he started with the Clone Wars and that team back, back I think, in 2009. Um, and I think with that, I think we're going to get some really fantastic stories Hopefully continued in animation. Hopefully Dave Filoni <laughs> continues doing that. But, I mean, if we really want to, you know, stand up and applaud, I think we applaud George for doing what he does best, and that is storytelling in a great way. And I think the animation was so perfect for what he was, I think, aiming for in those stories within Clone Wars. It was perfect. And I think, you know, without George, that doesn't get done. And I don't think we get these wonderful stories like we did. So, yeah, I mean, appreciation, George Lucas, for sure, absolutely, uh, for that great animation. So, yeah, guys, just wanted to say, um, George, George Lucas, appreciation, we love him. And now, back to the Scarif Pod. Thanks. Rob, can you talk a little bit about Operation Cinder and what was that all about? Yeah, so that was basically Palpatine's uh, insurance policy or his, you know, his master stroke uh, in the event that things went poorly for him. And I, I think it speaks to the fact that he knew going into the events at the end of Return of the Jedi that there was something coming up that he was unable to see what the outcome of it was going to be. And of course, as you talk about, I mean, if he's a, if he's a master planner, a master manipulator, he's going to have a plan in place, no matter what the outcome of that is. And in this particular case, it was operation cinder. So, uh, it was just basically a way of going, uh, through the galaxy and, and highlighting worlds that had specifically stood against him, uh, rebelled or otherwise, you know, stood up against him and his galactic empire and just raining fire down on them and, and making them pay the cost of uh, squaring off against him and his galactic empire. So it really feeds right back into what you're saying. I mean, not only was he masterful with his manipulation, he was a master politician, but he was utterly ruthless. I mean, there was nothing that he wouldn't do and he'd wipe out an entire species if it would cover up the tracks of the the construction of the first Death Star, and um, really, he wanted to make sure that if you crossed him, you understood that that was a huge mistake. The Emperor is dead. So what happens now? Operation Cinder is to begin at once. Resistance, rebellion, defiance. These are concepts that cannot be allowed to persist. Hey, guess what? We have a, uh, a little audio clip that we need to play uh, from our friends over at uh, Coruscant Underground Radio. Did I say that name right, Ro? It's uh, Coruscant Radio Underground. Sun, Radio Underground. I always get those mixed up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Andrew and Marisha have an audio clip that they want to talk to us about the Clone Wars, so we're going to go ahead and play that right now. Greetings, Gareth. This is Andrew and Marisha from Coruscant Radio Underground. How's it going, guys? 
and we got your message, and we're going to do our best to uh, talk a little bit about the legacy of the Clone Wars. That's a really interesting one. I mean, we hear about the Clone Wars, what, in the first 15 minutes of A New Hope? It's one of the first things we really hear about in the story um, as far as the greater galaxy beyond Tatooine. And it's this, uh, I don't know, I, I don't. I don't know how... We're going to do our best, Ro. I don't know how we're going to do this in five minutes. <laughs> um, so much to say, so little time. The legacy of the Clone Wars, I mean, it's a legacy that extends not just, you know, it, it affects the people at the time the Clone Wars began and really leading up, the years leading up to the Clone Wars. And then, I mean, we're like 50 years after the Clone mm-hmm. Wars that it's still having this powerful effect. Right. On the galaxy. Yeah. <clears throat> it's it's basically what World War One did to Earth, to the planet Earth, mm-hmm. is is what the Clone Wars did to the galaxy. It forever yep. changed the face of the galaxy. Everything. It changed warfare. It changed the way people thought about themselves, about the way they thought about themselves in relation to each other, how they saw themselves in the galaxy how they saw their planet in the galaxy. It just, it's a complete paradigm shift mm-hmm. from, you know, the world that we see in the prequels is, you know, it's opulent and it's, it's just, it's very different by the time you get to episode four, everything's very sterile and very martial. Um, so it's, it's a, you know, it kind of swept away the old world. The chancellor feels very strongly that the Jedi be removed from as many military matters as possible. You yourselves said that you're peacekeepers, not soldiers. I hope Chancellor Palpatine knows what he's doing. I assure you that he rarely does anything without a strategy. Palpatine is essentially the snake in the garden, mm-hmm. leading everyone astray. He is, yeah. And the Clone Wars is the, you know, the grand show because he has played both sides like a fiddle. He has, you know, he at this point, at the point that the Clone Wars begin, he he launches the entire galaxy into war, and he is literally the leader of both sides. It's unreal. And he's not just, it's not just a war that's sort of, you know, isolated. I mean, it's a an epic, huge conflict that, that affects everyone. And I feel like, um, like you said, like World War One or like the American Civil War or the Norman Conquest, it completely changes the fabric of how everything works. Mm-hmm. You know, well, he manages to completely overthrow the entire order of how the galaxy works. Well, he convinces people that evil is good and good is evil. Yep. Well, I mean, what more, you know, of the... The snake in the garden, can you get than that, right? Um, and I think it really shows the depths of just how merciless and how evil he is. He is willing to kill untold millions of people. Well, he sold out his own planet and his own people to start the war. But it's really fascinating to me. One of the things that's fascinating about the Clone Wars is we really don't know anything about the Clone Wars for the entire original series, except that it happened and that it's important. You know, you kind of get this, you know, like my, when my grandpa talks about the war, you know, you know what war he's talking about. He's talking about World War II because in his mind, that is 
the great conflict. And in the same way that it still kind of reverberates down through the generations. I mean, I mean that's that's been an awfully long time ago now, but it's still the the effects are still felt, and I feel like that's the way that the Clone Wars is in the original trilogy. It's just it's this sort of looming thing in the past that changed everything. All right, Scarif. Well, that's our as quick as we could do it take on the legacy of the Clone Wars. Thanks again for having us, and may the Force be with you. Greetings, Star Wars fans. This is Andrew from Coruscant Radio Underground. You're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. to all you scuttle buddies out there i'm trevor beast 454 curator of the star wars subcategory on sporkle.com and because this episode is legacy of the clone wars it's only fitting to have all five of these questions pertain to the clone wars As Anakin said to Ahsoka in the Clone Wars movie, well, you're not with Master Yoda now, so if you're ready, you better start proving it. Well, here's your chance to prove your knowledge and craft your opinion, because it starts right now. Question 1. In the Season 3 Citadel arc, who killed the Citadel Warden Osei Sobek? Question 2. Which character from the Clone Wars TV show is your favorite who didn't appear in the Clone Wars movie? Question 3. What was the bounty hunter name that Obi-Wan used when going undercover with Cad Bane and Moralo Evolve? Question 4. Which episode of the Clone Wars is the most underrated in your opinion? Question 5. In the Season 4 episode, Massacre, which two characters fought each other in the lightsaber duel on the planet of Dathomir? That concludes our five-question Clone Wars edition of Sentry Mode. This is Sentry Mode! Check out more trivia at sporkle.com slash games slash subcategory slash Star Wars. That's S-P-O-R-C-L-E dot com. And feel free to follow me on Twitter at TrevorBeast454 as there's a 90% chance that I'll follow you back. Thank you Scarif Podcast for this wonderful opportunity and may the Force be with you.
What's up, Star Wars fans? We've got a special announcement for you while you're loading up your favorite podcast. Hey, and this is Ro. What's up, Star Wars fans? If you are in or around the Chicagoland area on November 17th, come and join Team Scarif and the folks over at WSTR Galactic Public Media for a live combo podcast event. That's right, Alex. Sunday, November 17th from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. at Alley Cat Comics in the Andersonville neighborhood in Chicago. Alley Cat Comics is located at 5304 North Clark Street in Chicago. So if you guys want to be part of our live podcast mega event, come on down. Oh yeah, this is going to be so much fun. We're going to be hanging out with our followers and fans of both the Scarif Podcast and WSTR Public Media, Plus, we're going to be chilling out with our followers and fans of both the Scarif Podcast and WSTR Public Media. Yoshi and David from ILM has spoken to us on the pod, and we're so lucky to have Yoshi here in Chicago and in person, talking with us live. Fresh from the Disney Plus release of The Mandalorian, we'll get to talk about this groundbreaking series with someone who worked on the visual effects for both Mandalorian and The Rise of Skywalker. So come and join us in Chicago on November 17th. That's right, Alex. Mark your calendars. November 17th in Chicago, live podcast, YouTube streamed with a scare of Scuttlebutt podcast and WSTR Galactic Public Media. Come to the Scarif Podcast live event in Chicago on November 17th. I will obey my master. It is your destiny. So, you know, getting back to the Clone Wars, uh, just so we can kind of wrap things up here, I wanted to ask each, uh, each one of you, uh, you know, when uh, when Luke went looking for Yoda on Dagobah, uh, you know, he, he landed on the swamp planet. He met this little green thing. And, uh, you know, Luke told Yoda that uh, he was looking for a great warrior. And, uh, you know, from what we know of wars, wars are very, you know, messy. But uh, sometimes we... Uh, project uh, a certain romanticism in in being a battle you know battle worn warrior. You know Yoda has a very fascinating answer, and he says wars not make one great. Rob, what uh, what do you think about this uh, this quote that Yoda tells Luke, and uh, how do you see uh, you know that quote uh, affect uh, the outcome of uh, of the episode of episode nine? Yeah, I think that it goes back to the point that I made earlier regarding really how the Sith got the jump on the Jedi. And it was uh, by getting them embroiled in the Clone Wars and really, uh, you know, minimalizing their ability to connect with the Force in the way that uh, would be most effective for a light side user, you know, through uh, through using the Force for knowledge and defense and being passive. So uh, clearly Yoda had realized that, you know, after his confrontation with uh, Darth Sidious there at the end of Revenge of the Sith and being bested by him that uh, that he had failed and, and he went into isolation and clearly had a lot of time to think about what had happened to the Jedi Order and I think he finally came to the realization that they had made a mistake by not only getting involved in the Clone Wars but uh, their attachment to the Republic which uh, while it was for the noblest of purposes really served to 
make them, um, you know, servants, I guess, to the Republic. And they ended up having to do things in service to the Republic that went contrary or should have gone contrary to the order. Yeah, that's a fascinating take. Uh, Trevor, wars not make one great. What do you think of that quote? I mean, it's it's really interesting about, you know, like the dichotomy, I guess, of war and the fact that, you know, you, you have to, you know, sometimes, you know, protect, you know, those that you love, you know, by joining this cause. And, you know, m- m- maybe you lose a part of yourself through, you know, this fighting, this bloodshed. And, you know, it, it also reminds me of this uh, line that I'm fair, fairly certain was in the uh, new Clone War Season 7 trailer about, you know, Mace Windu. Okay, Mace Windu asked, you, uh, you know, about how, how, how do you think we're going to win this war? And then like, he says, not certain I am that one does really win a war. Yeah. Yoda's got some good lines, huh? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Alex, final thoughts on the Clone Wars and what uh, Master George Lucas has given us uh, in this uh, fascinating, fascinating franchise. What uh, What do you think? I think it's definitely worthy of the uh, of the legacy of Star Wars uh, overall. I think it fills in so many uh, fantastic storylines with these beloved characters. And uh, it has so much potential to even have more stories involved, uh, like we're seeing with this new season coming out. Uh, there's always more that we can explore about that era. And, uh, you know, we, we heard about it all the way back in 1977 with with that um, hologram of Princess Leia talking about General Kenobi. Uh, and I think I think the uh, the build up to it over the past uh, 30 or 40 years uh, has been well paid off. And I, I truly appreciate uh, that during the kind of downtime between the prequels uh, and when there wasn't much Star Wars going around that somebody took the time to create this fantastic TV show for us to all enjoy and dive into. So uh, thank you very much, Dave Filoni and George Lucas and everybody else who was involved in, uh, in making that come to life. The council has assembled. They are eager to hear your report. Afraid. Not much there is to say of my journey. So, nothing significant happened to you out there? Yes. And no. To the end, we are coming now. Did your journey give you insight on how to win the war? No longer certain that one ever does win a war. I am. For in fighting the battles, the bloodshed, already lost we have. Yet, open to us, a path remains. That unknown for the Sith is... Through this path, victory we may yet find. Not victory in the Clone Wars, but victory for all time. Well, Rob, Trevor, Alex, thank you guys very much. Uh, We are uh, a little over an hour, and it seems like uh, two minutes. We're having a lot of fun here talking about the Clone Wars, and uh, we won't, uh, we should do this again sometime. But, uh, Rob, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I know I I asked you last second. Thank you very much for accommodating us and and joining our uh, discussion about the Clone Wars. Yeah, totally my pleasure. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It was uh, definitely kind of an off-the-cuff thing, and I saw you posted on Twitter that you were ready to record. You had your uh, glass of wine and your lightsaber ready, so I had to jump all over that, and clearly scheduling wasn't working out for us. So 
definitely looking forward to hearing the episode and thank you guys and all the all the scuttle buddies out there listening Excellent. Trevor, thank you very much again for uh, your interest, and we definitely will not, uh, uh, this will not be the last time. Uh, I think you've got some great knowledge, and, uh, you know, uh, oh, uh, by the way, uh, Trevor is going to help us out, and he's going to create a uh, a quiz list for our November 17th event live here in Chicago, and we'll be able to play that game when we're, uh, you know, in front of our audience uh, at Alley Cat Comics in Chicago and Andersonville. So uh, that'll be a lot of fun, don't uh, don't you think, Trevor? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I still haven't really been given too much information on what, what you're wanting out of this quiz, but I'm prepared to, you know, p- pull in as much, you know, a- entertainment quality as possible to, uh, you know, g- let everyone have a great time with it. Years ago, you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person, but my ship has fallen under attack, and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I have placed information vital to the survival of the Rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Guys, thank you very much uh, for your participation. Thank you for talking uh, the Clone Wars with the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. This is Ro, and uh, Alex, uh, you have the last word, my friend. What do you say? May the Force be with you. Thank you, guys. And that's the Scuttlebutt. There you go. There you go, Trevor. Oh. I, that's what I was supposed to say. <laughs> Just leave that part in, Ro. Just leave that in. <laughs> awesome, cool guys. Thank you, guys, uh, yeah. man. That 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 was uh, that was fun. Yeah.